0: Grizz Nation to another episode of the Core 4 Podcast, a podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network alongside GBB Live, 3D, and soon a fourth podcast that we'll be announcing next week. Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. Find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. And my co host Nathan Chester is currently at the beach right now. But no worries because I got two stellar guests with me. First off, we got Grizzly Bear Blues senior staff writer, Mr. Hustle, Brandon Abraham. Brandon, what's up? Living the dream, Parker. Always living the dream. I, I was anticipating that. I was honestly between um, <laughs> Mr. Hustle and GBB's Conchar. <laughs> i'll take both i'll take both for sure and then next up we got the producer of the giannauto and jeffrey show every day on e- 92.9 espn from two to four the host of the sound and color podcast connor dunning connor what's up
1: what's up guys i appreciate that little plug we got to mention my guy isaiah, isaiah downey too. my co-host he's the co-host there but yeah go check it out it's a fun little movie pod i'm excited about this podcast though we finally got some basketball to talk about. Finally.
0: Finally. And so the Memphis Grizzlies are officially down in the Orlando bubble. I'm sure everybody saw the Instagrams last night of the sick drip completed with the mask. Yes, that is a plug to go wear your mask. And also Tyus Jones found a cockroach in his hotel room. So things are great.
1: Memphis went with him to Florida.
0: Yeah, and so yeah. what I have Connor and Brandon here on the show to talk about is the X-Factors. Obviously, we all know John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. Those are the two guys, and those two guys are probably going to be consistently good throughout the bubble, bearing any foul trouble from Jaron J- Jackson Jr. But we're here to talk about the X-Factors, the guys whose play, their ceiling, could raise the floor of this team and push them through to the eight seed and maybe a fun series with the Los Angeles Lakers. So first, I want to go with Brandon Abraham. Brandon, who is your biggest X factor for the Memphis Grizzlies, this bubble?
2: I got to roll with Justice Winslow. I mean, he is the ultimate unknown on this team. Um, You you really don't know what you're getting with him. He Is a stellar player, all around player. Um, You know, last year when he was mostly healthy, he averaged over 12 points, over five rebounds, over four assists, and a steal a game. Solid numbers, um, solid defensively. First game of the season, this past season, he lit Memphis up for 27 points, seven boards, seven assists. Um, And again, great defense. Um, If he's healthy, which, you know, the couple of months off, he he was ready to play the day after the season was suspended. I guess he got suspended on Wednesday and the Grizzlies were playing in Portland on that Thursday. You know, there was rumors he was going to go and he could even be in the starting lineup. If the Grizzlies have a healthy Justice Winslow, it could make them play so well that they don't even have to worry about the play in tournament. But also, I think if, you know, he's hurt or if it takes some time to adjust – it could hurt the Grizzlies and kind of make it to where things get a little bit or where a team could catch them and, you know, jump them in the standing. So I got to go with justice as the X factor just because you don't know what you're getting in. Him. Um, you know, you know what you have in theory, but you don't know what he's going to look like in a Memphis uniform.
0: Yeah. And to just follow up with that, I will say there's one, little cr- critique that I've been seeing over national media and even particularly Bleacher Report is if the Grizzlies got enough for Andre Gudala. And obviously I, I think that's a resounding guess, but a thing with Justice Winslow, and I think you mentioned this Brandon about just forcing the issue, I guess of starting him, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, Giannata mentioned it that one time I was, Guests guest on their show. And then Chris Harrington wrote about it earlier this week on the daily Memphian. It's not completely hundred percent. Just as Winslow is going to start at the three. Uh, Harrington threw out the idea of moving Brooks up to the three and playing Melton at the two. And then you also have the idea of rolling with Kyle Anderson, who the Grizzlies experienced success when he started the three. And then also too another wild card that's worth mentioning is Josh Jackson. So what do y'all think is the best course of action going forward as far as making sure you're maximizing Justice Winslow while also playing your best five in the starting lineup?
2: I mean, I think it's, you know, you, that's kind of what the little mini training camp's for, um, figuring out who plays well because, you know, I, I think Justice complements um, the starting lineup as is better than say Kyle Anderson does the D'Anthony Melton Dylan Brooks one is intriguing though lacking a little bit in size but I think what we'll end up seeing is a lot of kind of mixed rotations where you know Justice may be the first sub out and Kyle or Josh Jackson come in and then Justice kind of comes back in the lineup once you know former Dukies Tyus Jones and a potentially healthy Grayson Allen are on the court Um, so I, I think you know and almost any coach says this, it's not who starts, it's who finishes. I'd be okay with really whatever starting lineup Taylor Jenkins wants to throw out there. And I think he'll probably just ride the hot hand on the closing lineup. Connor,
0: what do you right. think?
1: I, I, I tend to agree with that. I think, uh, I think ultimately at the end of the day we'll end up seeing Justice Winslow starting a majority of the games when they're down in Orlando. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Game One we see kind of the traditional lineup that we've seen in the Grizzly season, and they and they kind of put put Winslow in there and see how he works with the team. But like Brandon said, at the end of the day, it's it's who Jenkins trusts to close the game that we really need to be paying attention to, and just based on the relationships I think that some of the players have and how Jenkins likes to run his offense. I would not be surprised to see justice Winslow as one of those final five on the court. And to be quite honest, I think that he should be, it's, it's he has the tools that I think maximize a lot of the players, uh, abilities around him better. So than, than Kyle Anderson does. I think that justice and Kyle Anderson do a lot of things very similar. And I just think that uh, justice Winslow does them better in my opinion. It's so it's really, I think going to be between them of who gets the starting lineup. Um, I like how y'all brought up, though, like Josh Jackson, the Dylan Brooks thing and the D'Anthony Melton thing. It's it's going to be interesting, but I do foresee a future where I think the starting lineup is going to look something like John Morant, Dylan Brooks, Justice Winslow, uh, and then, of course, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Jonas Valanciunas. That's what I think we're going to see, and that's kind of what I hope we see.
0: Yeah, and we, we've even had a lot of talks on GBB about the idea of maximizing Justice Winslow, and I talked to... Coach Jenkins about that earlier this week, and he mentioned about his positional versatility. I, guys, I don't think you understand how fast my heart was pounding when he said that he didn't want to put a position on him. Like a position.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The brand has come to fruition.
0: I'm telling you, it, it's fantastic. I mean, but for real, you have a guy where if it's not working at the three, you can theoretically push up DeAnthony Melton into the starting lineup. Granted – We'll, we'll talk about it later, but that bench mob is awesome. I don't know if you want to break it up. But you have so many different routes and options you can go with. You can have Justice Winslow technically be the backup four with Clark being the backup five, and it work. Or you can have Justice Winslow as a de facto backup shooting guard or starting the small forward. I just think those possibilities, and also with his defensive versatility, you have a guy where he can make life hell in the backcourt for an opponent. I mean, I remember Miami stuck. I mean, they stuck him on John Morant on the season opener and destroyed us. But also I remember him doing it against Mike Conley when he first started playing point guard last season. And just the fact that you have a guy that can realistically guard one through five while playing positions one through four is just a massive impact and really just minimizes the risk going forward with Justice Winslow as as the on-floor stuff, not necessarily injury risk because that's the biggest risk of all, but there's not much risk in playing him because you can use him in so many different ways.
1: Oh, with, without a doubt. And another thing I want to bring up about Justice Winslow that's very similar to, I think, kind of the system and the, and the player archetype I think the Grizzlies are attracted to is it's, it's his basketball IQ. If you look at the Grizzlies lineup and the guys that they truly trust to be on the floor, every single guy is always in the right spot. He knows what to do. You never have to worry about any of them of being out of position or, or not having an assignment or anything like that. Justice Winslow is a very high basketball IQ player, and that's why he was so heralded coming out of college and why so many people wanted him because, like you said, he's the type of guy that understands the positions one through five. You can plug him in anywhere and you say, Hey, justice, I need you to do a little bit of this today. He got, he can be like, I got you. I need to do a little bit of this today. I got you. So you can trust him in every single situation you put him into. It's you're not going to be throwing him into the ocean and saying, figure it out because he already has the tools to be able to swim, you know? So it's that having that valuable asset there with his basketball IQ, like let's say that jaw is tired for a couple of plays and he needs to run off ball and he needs justice to run the offense. Justice absolutely has the ability to do that. Like you said, we saw Miami, how they were utilizing him this season. We really saw him flourish when he got moved over to that point forward position when he was in control of their offense. So he has the ability to do that. And I think having that is going to allow Ja uh, Ja to have a few breaks on the offensive end. But the biggest thing he's going to bring is that defensive ability on the defensive end, because we know Ja's biggest, I guess, minus of him as a player is probably his defensive ability. But then when you put guys like, Justice Winslow and Dylan Brooks, DeAnthony Melton next to him, that hides him pretty damn well. And John's not a terrible defender. He can hold his own when he needs to. But you put those three, I mean, Justice, I could, you, maybe an elite defender. DeAnthony Melton getting close to there. Dylan Brooks is just a really good, is a, a decent to really good defender. You put those next to John Morant, it, it opens up so much for the Grizzlies.
2: Well, and Connor, you touched on it too uh, with Winslow's high IQ. And I mean, people have talked about it. It's not, you know, a big secret, but, you know, he's had four months to kind of really prepare and learn the playbook. So, you know, if the season wasn't suspended, you know, they're probably primarily focusing him at, you know, playing the three position, sprinkling in a little bit of, you know, kind of, you know, de facto third point guard duties, um, you know, stuff like that. But, with the long layoff and the little mini training camp and the scrimmages we get to do in Orlando, you know, he's much more prepared. So, I mean, there's still going to be a bit of a learning curve when you get to the live action, but the, that learning curve is going to be a lot less since that, you know, they've had four months to, you know, not necessarily be together because of COVID, but, you know, talk to each other, go over film game plan and, you know, go over sets and stuff like that. So I think, you, know, you have a smart player like Winslow. Like he's he's going to be ready for uh, the games pick up later this
0: month. Right, and so just to close our talk on Justice Winslow, what are y'all's two likely scenarios for Justice Winslow in the bubble? For me, I think realistically, if he can be a let's say a ten points. Five rebounds and close to five assists, guy, while shooting 35 to 38% on a high volume. I think that's good because people tend to forget that the Grizzlies have operated most of the season still at a 500 level with a guy that shot sub 30% on a high volume and a guy that was a non shooter on the outside of the three. So having a willing shooter. It's also a good shooter that can facilitate the offense at times. I think that's a big boost for this Grizzlies team.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I think, uh, you know, float around 10 points per game and float around five, you know, uh, assists and rebounds is, you know, solid, you know, expectation with not, you know, not too much, not too little. You know, I I think the Grizzlies would be, you know perfectly content with you know that production in Orlando
1: yeah it's so like I expect him to to be quite honest to kind of do what he was already doing this season not not the assist rate as much because he he's running point forward with Miami a lot but I expect him to score around 10 to 12 points, maybe like six to – I think he can he the one thing I'm excited about Winslow is he's going to really help the rebounding for the Grizzlies as well. So I think he's going to put up, I don't know, six, seven, eight rebounds. That would be phenomenal. And then about three or four assists per game. I think his shooting, uh, hopefully we see it land around 35% from three. That would be huge because putting another willing shooter, like you said, next to John Morant, that driving kick is such a big deal for the Grizzlies, and it just opens up more space in the middle for Jaren Jackson Jr., and Jonas Valanciunas and John Morant to go to work. If people have to keep, because that's the best part about Justice Winslow. He's just another guy on the Grizzlies that that a defender has to keep on. He's he's gonna have to. He, you can't lay off of him. You can't you can't float off of him on the three point line because he can punish you there. The guy shoots really well from three. He, he's about a he's about a thirty three percent shooter from three for his career. It's not terrible, and that's with this season with the injuries. Shot like twenty two percent, but I don't think that is what he's gonna do down in Orlando. So. I expect him to be a pretty big, impactful player. I mean, I, I think he's going to put up better numbers than Kyle Anderson did when he was in the starting lineup. I think it's going to be kind of a Kyle Anderson on steroids is what we can expect. And at the end of the day, he's the type of player that can win you a game. And I would not be shocked if we if we go back and we look at some of the first eight games and we say, Justice Winslow won you that game. I would not be surprised.
0: For sure. And so we're going to take a quick little break here. And on the other side, we'll get to you on one final x-factor slash group of x-factors this is the core four podcast real quick before we get back to our conversation with connor and brandon i'm going to take you to an audio snippet from the brandon clark media availability from a few days ago what's up, man? so during this time obviously you got time to get through all your treatment and get fully healthy but you also got time to add some stuff to your game do you kind of see it as like a second off season as a way to add some more stuff to your bag before the playoffs no yeah no definitely so um you know I saw it as something that is you know why not why not come back better uh why not come back as a better player than I was before I left that's really how I saw it um you know, when I'll come back, you know, adding, uh, you know, a better shot, you know, better like float or something, just, um, you know, something to my game to, you know, make it better. So it's kind of like, uh, uh, kind of like a second second offseason, like you said, but um, I uh, definitely try to treat it at the time to get, you know, my game better and to watch film. And so, you know, just some, somehow
2: grow during these, you know, tougher times.
0: Wow. The idea of the, why can't I come back a better basketball player? That Is really enticing because it also kind of debunks stereotypes over older draft prospects being finished products when they come into the league, because there's always more that you can add to your game. And Brandon Clark could potentially show that even more. And one thing he focused a lot on was his shot and his floater. And I remember another thing he touched on in that was the volume of shots that he's taking. So I think just, if he can come back a better offensive player in the fact that he's taking more threes and still making them at a efficient clip in a high volume, as well as still continuing to nail down that floater. I think he could be a nightmare off the bench against opposing big men.
1: Oh, without a doubt. His, his athleticism causes a ton of problems for, for big guys down low because Again, and he's also one of those guys. he can step out and hit a three every once in a while, but man that's, I don't know if this floater can get any better. It seems like I, I don't shit, every single time he took one it seemed like it was going in. you know so that's phenomenal news to hear about Brandon Clark and once again, I'm happy that the kind of stigma that's been on these older players coming into the league is starting to float away because these guys come in and they have the correct mindset. I think I think Brandon Clark coming in and having the mindset of how can I make it how can I be better? how can I make myself better? Yeah, I had a really good rookie season, but I need to improve on on that and and really be ready for the playoffs. That's going to be infectious for the young guys in the locker room because we know he's close with y'all. We know he's close with Jaron. And having that mindset around them is phenomenal for the team moving forward.
2: Well, and especially when, you know, kind of, you know, the people who thought that Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill were just the best thing for Grizzlies basketball earlier this year, it kind of goes to show where, you know, you can have – veteran leadership without you know a player who's been in the league for 10 years i mean you know you listen to the clip parker played and if you go back and like watch the highlights of his whole interview and really any interview clarkson he's a very intelligent super smart like just he reminds me of you know kind of like what people view garrett temple as you know a guy who right has his head in the right place you know I mean, Mike Parker said, you know, the whereabouts to, you know, sit there and think why not be a much better player by the time the season picks up, you know, like you said, that's going to rub off on all the other young players. Um, I mean, the whole squad kind of seems to be on the same page, but, you know, if you have Brandon Clarks and they're saying that and you're sitting there thinking about slacking, you're going to kind of change your mind and go get that extra workout in or put up 30 more shots. And, uh, you know, kind of going back to his on the court play, I mean, shooting 40%, from beyond the arc in 50 games is great you know he only averaged one attempt per game so getting that volume up even if his percentage dips a little bit you know if he can you know shoot start shooting two or three a game and making it at you know a 35 percent clip that's just gonna make the Grizzlies that much more of a dangerous team you know not even for the eight games in the play-in but up against the Lakers as well.
1: Right. And real quick, I have a Parker uh, question for you, Parker, since you were the one kind of talking to him, you know, I mean, I'm looking at it now he shot 65% from two last year. So it's really hard to get better than that. Uh, What, what do you think other than like his floaters and his, and his shooting, do you think he could improve on moving forward? Do you think that maybe rebounding is something that he may want to try to focus on?
0: Yeah, sure. I think his rebounding is something that he should focus on. I mean, he averaged about 10, close to 10 rebounds a game per 36 minutes on the boards, which, I mean, it's not mm-hmm. bad, but at least want right. wanted to be a little better. I do think – I want to see what happens when he starts taking threes with more volume. I mean, he shot one a game. I don't, I'm not expecting this guy to come out and shoot six, seven threes a game, but what happens to the offense when he starts shooting three threes a game at close to like a 35 to 40% clip? I think that really opens up the offense. And I think one thing in, it could really open up to, something I touched on about a month ago on Grizzly Bear Blues, is his playmaking. And I think his playmaking is untapped. And I think there's a lot more to it. And just the fact of the amount of growth that he has really kind of draws those similar comparisons to guys like Paul Millsap or Pascal Siakam or Damanus Sabonis or Bam Adebayo, players like that. And I think that's the biggest thing going forward for Clark and how he can improve is just seeing what happens when he has more or he gives himself more of a green light. I don't think it's anything of the green light that he has. It's the green Mm -hmm. light that he has for himself.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I love that. I love that, man. Him him with more of a green light is going to be great. And yeah, his playmaking ability too is something that was a little underrated in the season. Um, I just want to ask you all, like, what? Let, let's say that he does end up becoming like a three or four, three-per-game type of shooter. Let's say he hits it anywhere between 33% to 36%. What do you think that that would do for the Grizzlies' offense when you can put him next to a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr., who we already know you could argue might be the best big man shooting threes in the NBA right now? It's I think putting those two together at the power forward, and the, and the center position maybe sometime down the road, that could open up things for the Grizzlies, I think, that people aren't – the NBA really hasn't seen. Have we really seen a, 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 a duo of a power forward and a center that is a legitimate threat from three?
0: Duo? I don't think so. Brandon, can you <laughs> stop us from being hyperbolic here? <laughs> um, I mean, I can't really think of,
2: you know, at least in this you know hypothetical that, you know, Clark's numbers stay the same with the higher volume. I can't really think of anybody off the top of my head. Um, I'm sure there's somebody somewhere out there. Um, I'm not sure where Pascal Siakam's percentages are at, but I know him and Mark have to, you know, at least be decent out in Toronto. Right, they were kind of the ones I thought of, yeah. Um, But I I just think Clark being, you know, being a more willing three-point shooter opens up the offense a whole lot because, you know, teams aren't going to back off of him as much. And, I mean, he's already got a good – you know, pump fake. So I can already see it now in Orlando, you know, the team's kind of running a semi-fast break, kick it to Clark, pump fake from, you know, pump fake it from three, take, you know, a few dribbles in, you know, like, you know, around the free throw line, 15 footer and, you know, kind of evaluate from there. He can, you know, defenders attack odds are he'll have, you know, John or Dylan Brooks cutting towards the basket, or he can kick it out to Jaron for three if no one really comes to get him his patented floater is going to be money. So, I mean, I think it just opens up the offense a whole lot more when teams have to really kind of, you know, respect his shot and be afraid of it instead of just kind of living with it and say, oh, that's his one or two, you know, shots from beyond the arc for the game.
0: Right. And so I do want to transition into this one little – Thing with Clark, and another reason why I have him as an X Factor is because I love some of the matchups for him in the in the uh, bubble against some of these eight teams. I know one of them is against Boston, and I'm just salivating at the thought of Tyus Jones and Brandon Clark getting e- Enos Cantor caught in a pick and roll and just <clears> turns into Lob City. Uh, Utah doesn't really have a de facto backup five either. So, whatever Go Bears out of the game, how are they going to use Clark? as that small ball five, because I I think that's the best course of action. I think you have the ability to run up and down the floor while not sacrificing too much size, especially if you have a bench unit of Tyus Jones, D'Anthony Melton, Josh Jackson, Kyle Anderson, and Brandon Clark. You can get away with it. And then also, too, New Orleans, they like running a lot of backup five spots for Zion or Nico Melli. So if you can just get the right matchup for Clark and exploit him as that and have them use as that small ball five and just get the pick and roll going with Tyus Jones, D'Anthony Melton, and Brandon Clark, I think that bench could obliterate people in the bubble.
1: Without with a question. And I, and I guess like, so I'll, I'll go ahead and transition into like what I, what my X factor is coming into into the uh, into the bubble is and it's it's probably the most on brand thing I could have possibly done. But I think it's the benchmark, man. And it starts with it starts with the trio of Tyus Jones, Anthony Melton, and Brandon Clark. Uh, just today, I was I was to prep for the podcast. I went through NBA stats and I was doing all these different filters and I was trying to find like net rating of trios and everything. And then what I ended up landing on was that for the Memphis Grizzlies, nine of their top ten uh, net rating lineups includes two of either Tyus Jones, De'Anthony Melton, and Brandon Clark. And we so we have verifiable data that shows that the team improves when one of those guys is on the court. D'Anthony Melton is a plus 123 for the Grizzlies this season when he's on the court. When he's off the court, the Grizzlies are minus 193. That's unbelievable for a team floating around 500. Like, when you look at a team like the Lakers, yeah, LeBron's in, like, the plus 400s, but he's LeBron James. De'Anthony Melton – He's only been in the starting lineup for what, or in the, in the main rotation for what, like three months before the hiatus happened, and he's having that much of an impact already moving forward. And then Tyus Jones, I mean, Parker, you've written about him in the past. I think with Tim, it's that he is able to just keep the ship moving when he comes into the game. I mean, he, he leads the league in assist-to-turnover ratio, which is just unbelievable. And having that guy after John Morant come in, and you can just trust him with the offense, and everyone knows, okay – even though Jaw may not be on the court, we can still run this thing, and our office is still going to operate the exact same way. I think it's huge. They actually have, I think, the same exact um, assist ratio. Like, I think they're both at 11.1. So you really don't lose much on, I guess, on the playmaking side when Tyus Jones comes in. It's, it may not be as flashy as Jaw or as quick as Jaw, but some really good things happen with Tyus Jones on the court.
2: I agree completely, and I think, you know, one of the biggest things with that bench mob, is how highly efficient, you know, especially that trio of Melton, Tyus, and Clark are. You, you know, there are certain teams where, you know, once the starters come out, you know, the other team goes on a run or you have to kind of flank your star players' minutes to where, you know, like, you know, in theory, if the Grizzlies bench unit stunk, Ja or Jaren would have to be on the court all 48 minutes. Right, Right. Tyus, Clark, and all of them are so good, you can afford to let them rest and not, you know, overkill them like Tom Thibodeau would and, you know, let them play their minutes. And you can trust the bench unit to not, you know, really lose you a lead. They're going to be a stabilizing force, you know, kind of keep things steady. They're highly efficient. And, like, you kind of know what you're going to get. You know, Tyus Jones isn't going to come in and turn the ball over. The Anthony Melton's not going to come in and, you know, be like, you know, a – kind of six man of the year gunner type guy where he puts up 10 shots in three minutes and i mean we've talked about clark enough already like he knows his spots he's one of the smartest players on the team he's not going to mess up much either so i mean that bench mob you know they're not going to lose you any games
1: right and then the guys that we're not even really mentioning either that are going to be a huge impact from that bench i mean we've we've already seen the impact of josh jackson he you. You could say he saved the Grizzly season. He really did. He came in. He won us some very crucial basketball games. His, his, his climb, I guess, out of the, the dump that was Phoenix into what he is now has been – it's been one of my feel-good stories of the season. I've really enjoyed watching him play. But then you have guys like John Concher. Calm down, Brandon. I'm going to give you a chance to talk about him in a moment. Uh, you have Gorgie <laughs> Jang, Anthony Tolliver. It's just like – I mean, Kyle Anderson, even Grayson Allen, there's, there's a chance he, he could be on that bench unit. It's just every single guy we trust. I say it every single time I'm on one of y'all's podcast. This is the first team I think that I could genuinely trust every single player that is going to step on that court for the Grizzlies. Every single guy that I know is going to get big minutes in the rotation, I'm like, yeah, when he goes in, I don't have a problem with it. I'm not yelling at my television. I'm not saying, Jenkins, what are you doing? I trust them. And that's something that, that's very rare for a bench unit. I mean, we've had bench units in the past where a guy walks in, you're like, well, son of a, this is going to suck for about five minutes. So. I guess, I guess my main question to, to you and Parker would be, Brandon, is what do you all think the main bench rotation is going to look like, especially with you know Kyle Anderson possibly having to move to that bench unit? Well,
2: Parker did a great piece for GBB, I guess it was last week, on the rotations, and a lot of it kind of depends on how big or small Jenkins wants to go. Um, so, Parker, I'll kind of let you kind of go over your piece because I really disagree with everything that you wrote right. earlier.
0: Right. I I personally have it where obviously the uh, first eight men are it's Ja, Dylan, Justice, Jaron, and Jonas as just that starting five with Tyus, Melton, and Clark being the first three off the bench. And then after that, it's kind of where it gets tricky. I have Josh Jackson as the ninth guy, I think, out of that. I think that's correct. I'd have him too. Out of the group of players between 9 and 15, he's the one that can win you a game in the bubble. And that 10th guy, I i personally, it's nothing against Gorgie Dings. I think he's really good. But I have Kyle Anderson there just because he's a versatile defender that can facilitate the offense. Jenkins loves playmakers, and mm-hmm. Kyle Anderson, granted, even though his stance and the rotation has been kind of weird all season, he's a playmaker when it comes down to it. And I'm just infatuated with small ball five lineups with Brandon Clark at the five, but also too, that's the best way to maximize Cal Anderson is as a four and not a three. The numbers back it up too. the difference is probably like 15 points between his net rating as a small forward and his net rating as a power forward. So that's what I would go with personally.
2: Well, and and I think the matchup kind of depends on it a lot too. Um, You know, a, a team like Portland, who, you know, with Zach Collins back healthy and kind of their injuries on the wing, will probably move Carmelo up to that three spot, either him or Nasir Little, have Zach Collins at the four, and then, you know, have Yusuf Nurkic and Hassan Whiteside at the five. You know, that's a team like Portland will be where Gorgie really kind of comes into play and might yeah. move up that list then you know if you play a team that goes small all the time Gorgie you know may not even sniff the court um so I think you know the versatility off the bench of you know the just all the different types of players the Grizzlies have really help I I do think the uh, Josh Jackson Kyle Anderson kind of I guess debate is interesting because you know I think with Kyle you know what you're going to get he's not going to shoot it. He's going to be a nice facilitator, play good defense. But Josh kind of gives you that unknown that, you know, kind of like what you could get with Justice Winslow where, you know, he had a nice stretch of games with the Grizzlies before the season was suspended. How much of that is sustainable? And like you said, Parker, it's kind of why I would have him up higher on the uh, rotation as well. He's the next player on the roster who can just go out, get you a few buckets, and win you a game.
0: hmm Yeah, and so we're about running out of time here. So I want to give you guys just any final quick hitters you want to hit on before we close the show?
2: I'm pissed I'll you didn't have Conchar in your rotation.
0: I'm honestly pissed. <laughs> I'm more pissed that Connor called, it, called him a Conchart. That was insulting.
1: I said Conchar, what are you talking about? I could have sworn I
0: heard Conchar, but...
1: It, might, it may have been the AirPods, but no, I, I do. I really do, real quick, before we wrap it up, I do want to hear Brandon's thoughts on him, though, and how do you think the Grizzlies are going to use him? Because, I mean, I did a bunch of research today about plus-minus and, and net rating and all this kind of stuff, and the name that kept popping up in all of these lineups was, was, was him. He's in every single one of them, man. He's, he's a valuable guy when he's on the court, so how do you think the Grizzlies are going to use him when he's down there?
2: I think he's going to be kind of, you know, you like, you know, he's only going to be used in case of an emergency. I think um, the Grizzlies are going to kind of be playing a little bit of the long game with it too. I thought they would convert his two way contract during the transaction period. They didn't. He's a hell of a player. He's super talented. He just doesn't have the sample size that Mm -hmm. really every other player has. Um, wouldn't be shocked if, you know, he gets some surprising minutes against certain teams. Um, but I, I don't fully expect him to, you know, go in Orlando and, like, be given a huge opportunity to shine and then they lose him in free agency next year. I, I think they kind of use him as needed in Orlando and then probably, you know, will be a restricted free agent this summer and, you know, kind of use this as an excuse to hold him back a little bit so he doesn't get some crazy deal in free agency.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good point. We gotta we gotta keep Conshar in Memphis for sure. And so I'll cry.
1: I know we <laughs> all
0: cry. We gotta keep protect John Conchar and D. Anthony at all costs.
1: I will I will drive to Atlanta and fight people off of D'Anthony Melton. If they try to take, come take him from me, it will be, it'll be one of those things where if it happens, you just won't be able to find me for like seven days. He's need to go into the woods and clear my mind. It's going to break me if he's not a Memphis Grizzly next year.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I totally understand that. And so, uh, Brandon plug your stuff in real quick.
2: As always follow the site on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. You can follow me at BC Abraham, uh, Keep up with all the stuff going on. Um, You know, glad basketball is back. I mean, we're recording right now, and I think it's like we're two weeks away from, like, the first day of scrimmages, so I'm just excited. I'm pumped. So follow along. We'll be sure to give out the best content out there, keep you up to date with everything going on.
1: Yeah, you can follow me at cdunny929 on Twitter. Uh, make sure you listen to Giannato and Jeffrey every single day from two to four CT. I hope y'all are enjoying those rush war bits that we've been doing. Uh, also go follow the sound and color pod on Twitter. It's, it's at sound color pod. Uh, it's an, it's a new little movie music podcast that I'm going to get rolling with my buddy, Isaiah Downey, where you uh, I mean, we nerd out on movies and music and we really kind of dive into them and talk about why they're so special to us. But uh, again, show some love to D'Anthony Melton every single chance that you get, because he is the ultimate glue guy. And keep reading GBG, GBB, man. Like y'all have had some phenomenal stuff the last few weeks coming out. Brandon, uh, Parker, y'all do some great work and I can't wait to see what y'all do moving forward. And I'm really interested to hear about that fourth podcast, man. It sounds like it's gonna be great.
0: For sure. Be sure to check out the fourth podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network make sure you're liking subscribing downloading whatever you need to do on the Grizzly bear blues podcast network which is on spotify apple podcasts google podcasts stitcher megaphone iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast and be sure you're following the podcast on twitter at the core four podcast with the number four not the word four be sure to follow me on twitter at paca underscore flock and with that that's it